0: Are you on the go and only have a short window to peek
1: at the local headlines? We've got you covered. The KOSU Daily Podcast brings you Oklahoma news every weekday in a condensed and accessible way. Head over to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to the KOSU Daily to get the scoop on the latest Oklahoma news.
0: For KOSU, I'm Michael Cross, and it's time for This Week in Oklahoma Politics, along with Republican political consultant Neva Hill and civil rights attorney Ryan Kiesel. A special session happened earlier this week, and if you blinked, you might have missed it. (laughs) Lawmakers (laughs) began work Tuesday morning, but by Tuesday afternoon, Senate President Pro Tem Greg Treat made a motion for his chamber to adjourn. So, Without one of the chambers, the House adjourned at least for now. Neva, why did Treat decide to end the session shortly after it began?
2: Well, it was interesting because uh, it it appeared, I mean, the pro tem had kind of laid down the gauntlet, as we talked about, that the governor needed to come. He needed to lay out his plan to the senators and move forward from there. The governor chose not to do that. And it was, uh, there was some intrigue, I think, in terms of the people in the building um, when when the pro tem decided uh, to adjourn, sine die, uh, it was on a voice vote. And I think there was some speculation, had it been, um, had there been a call for a roll call on that, that, uh, that it might have taken some Democrats to get it across the finish line in terms of to be able to actually uh, adjourn because there were a number of senators. I think that uh, were were there to see what could happen in terms of a conversation on tax cuts and 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 move that football forward. It just didn't go anywhere on the Senate side. And then what happened was a little, I think, strategic move on the House side with Speaker McCall because what the House did um, was they decided to adjourn to a call of the chair, meaning they're still in session. Um, and there is some uh, some speculation that what that what that really did was box out the governor, from being able to call another special session. Because if he does, as we've talked about, we have this lingering question at the Supreme Court where the governor is uh, making the assertion that the legislature can't have concurrent special session with mm-hmm. uh, going on. So if he were to attempt to call another special session, that would seem to fly in the face of his very argument that he's making now before the court. So um, this strategic move, and it appears to be exactly that, that that many House members wanted to move forward, wanted to see some legislation uh, uh, take place, but knowing that it wasn't going anywhere, this at least preserved the option to uh, control the narrative in terms of if this goes all the way up until February and they start the regular mm-hmm. session, or something happens in the in the meantime, they come they come back in at the call of, uh, of the chair. What well, that remains to be seen, but in in the midst of the back and forth of how long the session was going to go just a matter of hours this special session we also had the governor bring in uh Grover Norquist who is the uh, a name familiar with many republicans because he was he's the founder and the president of Americans for tax reform that's a group that was founded back in the mid 80s uh, at the request of President Ronald Reagan and their mission and with some success across the country has been to really advocate in the legislatures that uh, that they there needed to be um, there needed to be a move on to eliminate taxes or or lower taxes as much as possible. And we've see we see today. I mean, I think there's seven states with no income tax. There are a number of states now that are moving toward either a, a flat tax or or no in, no income tax. So this is a major movement across the country, certainly in the surrounding state around Oklahoma. Uh, that's the case. I mean, when you begin to look at it state by state. So this conversation is not going to end. It's clearly the governor's, uh, I think we can expect in his state of the state next year that it will be front and center. And the question will be, is there any ability to get any traction or any conversation on the Senate side, which to this point has been a non-starter.
1: Right. You know, an asteroid could hit the earth and Grover Nor- Norquist would still be on at state legislatures talking about tax cuts. <laughs> this this guy's been around doing this for forever. It's kind of surprising to still see him out there. So that was, you know, that was kind of a surprise visit earlier this, uh, this week during the special session as part of the theatrics that we saw. And a lot of this was theater. Uh, I think until the governor decided not to show up. And if if we really wanted to make great theater, the governor should have shown up. I think that this was a tremendously, uh, a tremendous missed opportunity for Governor Stitt uh, to go sit in front of that Senate Appropriations Committee and make a case for these tax cuts. No one in that building, no one expected him to show up. If he would have done that, I I think that one, we'd still be in special session today. Two, the governor would be controlling the narrative and uh, he called the Senate's bluff. But instead, he didn't show up. He played kind of right into the hands of former acting governor and Senate President Pro Temp Greg Treat's hands in saying, because Senator Treat did not want uh, a tax cut. He didn't want to entertain this idea of potentially losing billions of dollars in state revenue to a tax cut. His appropriations chair, Roger Thompson, had said as much that we have a bunch of one-time money here and that tax cuts are an ongoing expenditure for the state. We don't just pass a tax cut and then it you know it can go away at some point and in Oklahoma it's very difficult to repeal a tax cut because of constitutional amendments that we've made back in the early 90s so this was all you know one-time money they the Senate was not excited about this the governor not showing up all but put this special session to an end uh, again I, I think that if the governor had shown up we'd be in a very different position today as Neva said this will keep going uh, you know Democrats talking about bipartisan support for things like the grocery tax, uh, extending the earned income tax credit, uh, some sales tax rebates. These are things that if they put them on the table, probably pass, and the governor would probably sign them. And so those are things that could happen. But the governor really, I think here, is speaking directly to the tribes. I mean, this is really about uh, his concern about the Supreme Court's current litigate or the current case in front of the Supreme Court dealing with income tax uh, in uh, Indian country in the state of Oklahoma.
0: And Eva, he'd also mentioned, of course, Texas, which has a zero income tax, but some of the highest property taxes in the country. And so, it's Texas. And yeah, and it's, and well, so, I mean, how do you answer that when you say, well, they have zero income tax, but some of the largest property taxes in the country?
2: Well, I, I mean, the devil's in the details. And I think uh, one of the things that uh, Norquist said during that press conference was the fact that he he made the the case that... The the fifteen lowest states with income tax uh, had the highest ha- highest growth. More population increase. Where you had the 15 highest states with the highest taxes, uh, are the ones that are losing population, and we know where, what those states are: the Californias and the and the New Yorks and the and the major states that the, the escalation in the taxes and the soaring budgets uh, that uh, that taxpayers are being faced with having to fund uh, with their money. Uh, we're getting this backlash, and so I think. Um, the long and the short of the whole narrative on on taxation is trying to figure out a way to uh, deal with a simpler tax code, um, limited government, and advocating for lower taxes. These are the issues that have been the bread and butter issues for Republicans. These are certainly the issues that Grover Norquist has spent his entire adult life, 40-plus uh, years, advocating, as you say, Ryan. I mean, he is all across the country and every every state legislature talking to uh, leaders, uh, making this case, and and applying pressure uh, to the notion that it can be done. And now you're seeing multiple states that are doing it in some fashion, many of them having done it by a vote of the people. Arizona, I think one of the most recent examples of that. So uh, so it's It's the conversation that I think is going to continue into the next session. Whether or not we can see movement on the Senate side may be dictated not so much by a pro tem treat. It may be by those folks that want to be the next uh, the next president pro tem and where they land on this. Uh, A lot of speculation on who would be the next AMB chair, who would be, you know, who would be the, the next leadership team and how that sorts itself out may play big time in terms of what happens in this next session.
0: U.S. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has lost his job despite all five members of Oklahoma's congressional delegation supporting him. The search for a new House Speaker could include Representatives Tom Cole or even Kevin Hearn. Ryan, what do you think about what's going on in Congress?
1: You know, Kevin McCarthy, this guy is not living his best timeline. This is, uh, it took him 15 efforts to 15 votes. Uh, to become Speaker, he made a deal with the devil where, you know, one member of this far right part of the Republican caucus uh, in the House could unseat him. And that's exactly what happened. It, it is strange in, to see somebody like a, a Matt Gates who is just embroiled with scandal and not just, you know, kind of re- regular run of the mill scandal, but, you know, tabloid awful, you know, t- 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 scandals that uh, maybe 10 years ago, 20 years ago, Somebody, a political consultant talking to a guy like that would have said, uh, no way. We're, we cannot run your campaign. We're sorry. We passed. We're going to go find somebody else. And in 2023, it's, you know, this guy can unseat the Speaker of the House. That's where we are with our current political narrative in, in Washington, D.C. right now. Is a guy like Matt Gates can unseat the Speaker of the House. Anybody that wants that job now, what kind of deals are they going to have to make to get there? Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it is it is you know the dysfunction is, uh, is is very concerning we're walking into another deadline coming up in November for a, a potential government shutdown. We averted that and that's kind of what put us in this position right now where Kevin McCarthy was unseated where he worked with the Democrats uh, and and many House Republicans to uh, pass a, a delay in the government shutdown uh, and you know push that off to the end of November so, Whoever takes over this position is going to have to negotiate that and may be at the helm at the uh, outside of a government shutdown. That's not where anybody wants to be. You mentioned uh, Representative Kevin Hearn. You know, he is, by all intents and purposes, one of the top three uh, individuals, names being bandied about uh, on Capitol Hill for this job. Again, what kind of deals does he cut? He is the leader of one of the, the largest informal groups uh, in the Republican caucus uh, in Congress. And so he has a, a natural constituency there. You know, Tom Cole is often seen as the dean of the House. I mean, he has been there for, for so long. Uh, and you don't, I haven't really seen him uh, stepping out trying to get this job. You don't see a lot of people pushing his name out there. And I, I suspect that that's because he knows better. Uh, he, <laughs> <laughs> he knows better. He knows where he can have uh, the biggest impact. Uh, for, for Oklahomans in his district, and it's not getting in the middle of the speaker's race. <laughs> Neva.
2: Well, and, and mentioning uh, Representative Cole, he was the one that led the debate uh, in support of trying to uh, retain Kevin McCarthy as the speaker. I mean, he basically, in his comments, uh, said that, you ha- that what they were seeing was this group, this small group of individuals that were willing to basically plunge Congress uh, and the country into uncharted waters and something that uh, had never taken place before and in his mind uh, for reasons that uh, he felt only they knew I mean that there was not a real a, a real defined reason other than as you say um, uh, Ryan Matt Gates you uh, you know he he led the charge, but he also has ironically become public enemy number one uh, within the GOP conference. I mean he is, uh, and this includes many of his uh, ideological allies. I mean folks like uh, um, Representative Chip Paul from Texas in, in the Freedom Caucus, many of whom have taken to social media just deriding the guy and and taking him on in very vitriolic terms. So um, so he accomplished his mission, but out of that. Um, he may have really marginalized himself in terms of uh, where the conversation moves forward and and in terms of representative Hearn, i th- I think unquestionably, when you when you mention the fact that, as the head or chair of the Republican study committee, this is the largest block, the largest conservative caucus within the within the uh, House of Representatives. So he has a following. He was someone his name was advanced even during the fifteen rounds of votes. trying to get and and trying to get uh, uh, the uh, uh, the folks on the table during the McCarthy race uh, when he was successful finally. Mm-hmm. But you have someone who uh, is making the rounds. He, As of, as of our taping uh, and recording, he has not, um, I think, made it official. But at Wednesday, he was at the Texas House um, uh, GOP delegation meeting with them. Uh, he's certainly making the rounds, giving all of the overtures that he probably plans on jumping in this race. And I think when you look at the, as you say, the three-way race with uh, Steve Scalise and Jim Jordan, they come from different uh, cuts of the, the mix in terms of uh, the congressional Republican delegation makeup in Congress. And it could be fascinating. It's going to be quick. I mean, they need to do it. They need to get it done next week. And I think the probably from my point of view, the most fascinating element to the entire conversation of who ultimately these members will vote for. It may rise or fall on where these respective candidates for Speaker of the House come down on their support for Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I mean, we're already seeing uh, the water divide on that. Uh, Some strongly opposed to to future support, some strongly in favor. And that uh, by many members already have publicly stated that where That particular candidate comes down on that issue may be the defining reason they vote or don't vote for that person. So it will be not only from a political standpoint, from a Republican Party standpoint, uh, from from a control of Congress, the House standpoint – but also from an na- international policy standpoint, it's going to be something that a lot of eyes are going to be on next week and following
1: with great interest. And I think this is part of a larger, larger effort of you know many in the Republican Party trying to wrestle their party back from Donald Trump, even though... Donald Trump's name is being mentioned as a candidate for Speaker of the House, because you don't have to be a member of Congress to be Speaker of the House. Which means
2: we all could be We mentioned. could all
1: be. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll throw my hat in the ring. Uh, I'm, I'm officially announcing. So if, any, if anybody I mean, wants to... The one to-
2: who's not going to announce is Kevin McCarthy. I mean, right. he made That's it clear. Right. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's going home after his 30 years in uh, Congress and, and a very storied career. Uh, he is, uh, I think... Uh, He will no doubt uh, he's young enough that I don't know that we can write him off as someone who will not be a political player at some point down the road. But at least for this chapter in his uh, political life, uh, it's coming to a close. I mean,
1: he'll be the answer to a late round trivia question at some point. Yeah.
0: State Superintendent Ryan Walters releases a budget passed by the Board of Education to cut school funding by forty seven million dollars. The budget recommendation would go before lawmakers in their coming session. So Neva, what's been the reaction from state leaders?
2: Uh, I think, again, a lot of them scratching their head, wondering uh, if this is more of the same. Um, You you hear a lot of folks talk about that Ryan Walters is often right on the issues and wrong on the rhetoric. I mean, he's someone that uh, uh, wants to double down. He's got a, clearly, he's got a State Board of Education in total sync with him. They unanimously have passed everything that he's wanted. Um, And I think out of this, uh, what we see is. Uh, probably a very uh, interested group of lawmakers who will want to see Ryan Walters and the folks at the State Department of Education back before these committees, uh, education committees next year, talking a lot of specifics, which we don't have. I mean, all we have is the again, the generality of uh, you know where they want to either earmark their money and focus and where they want to take away the focus. But the, again, it's about the dollars and, and it's about the resources and where where they're actually being allocated. I think you know the other thing, Michael, is uh, there is a lot of speculation in terms of uh, the fact that the governor uh, appears to be continuing to distance himself from Ryan Walters. I mean, in his uh, um, he in an interview at one of the television stations this week, I mean, he came out and said, you know, that he uh, he didn't want to cut education at all. In fact, uh, he wanted to continue to invest in teachers, invest in schools. Uh, we we saw lawmakers uh, kind of uh, again everyone kind of got caught flat-footed with no clear information and appeared to have no real um, uh, at least forewarning that this conversation was going to be thrown out there on the table by the state superintendent. So Mm -hmm. we'll uh, we'll see how this evolves from here.
1: Ryan. And I think it demonstrates that if Ryan Walters really wanted to get something done, then he would have called these folks. I mean, so either he doesn't want to really get anything done or he doesn't know how to get anything done. And either one of those is a credible possibility at this point. Because if you want to pass a budget uh, for your agency, you're talking to appropriations chairs, you're talking to uh, subcommittee chairs, you're working through this process before you ever put out a press release, and that's and, and I don't even know that it was in a press release. I mean, so it was like during the the board of education meeting, and probably he talked about it on on YouTube. I went to the state board of education's uh, or department of education's website looking for press releases, and the last press release that I saw was from April, uh, and so it kind of you know shows to me that you know here's here's a guy who's not interested in communicating with anyone except for direct to his constituency you know the, the folks that really support him electorally he doesn't want to talk to the governor about this because he knows the governor's going to oppose it he doesn't want to talk to legislative leaders about this because he knows that they're going to ask specifics and he doesn't have any specifics because there is no plan here there's a there's a headline with no substance underneath it and i i really think that um if if he if he really wanted to deal with inflation, he talks about, you know, we've got to do this budget with these cuts because of inflation. I don't think he understands inflation. Inflation means that things are more expensive. And so if you want to maintain status quo, you have to increase your spending to keep up with inflation just to keep up with status quo. So, you know, what he's talking about are cuts with the context of inflation, which means even more cuts. So again, I don't think he understands inflation, but I don't think he cares to. I mean, he's he's trying to score some political points here and he's, he's a political operative, not, not a policy animal at all.
2: And if you wanted to talk about policy and you wanted to really be engaged in conversation that would be meaningful, on current, current topics, so to speak. I mean, one of the things is next Thursday is the deadline for uh, public comments to be submitted, written comments to the Oklahoma Tax Commission on the rules that they have proposed for the state's new uh, private school and home school tax credits. I mean, this is something that was, <laughs> this was the major agenda item of the yeah. governor, of the legislature, uh, something that uh, falls right in right in the lap of the state superintendent. And yet, if that if that shouldn't be a conversation point that uh, that the superintendent and his folks should be out there making sure that people know that that what these proposals are I mean this is uh, this is something that everyone said was going to be the game changer in education now we have the details Uh, we're we're looking at uh, uh, the first submissions uh, you know to be um on the on the table the lowest tax brackets being the ones to be given preference and prioritization all of the things in the application process being outlined by the tax commission there's probably a lot of folks out there that would like to be engaged in that conversation that will never hear about it if they hear about it it will be after the fact after next thursday when that deadline uh ends for them to make their written submissions so it these types of conversations are what When you talk to lawmakers and people that are uh, care about education involved in some level of education these are the conversation points they would like to see the leadership uh, at the state department more engaged in and involved in state superintendent ryan
0: walters is having to defend his testimony to congress over a chinese language program in tulsa public schools the district says the program was eliminated a month before the testimony Walter says he didn't know about the cancellation, but emails obtained by State Impact Oklahoma shows TPS made the Department of Education aware of the move a week before he went to Washington, D.C. Ryan, what are your thoughts on this news?
1: And these are facts, and facts don't matter to Ryan Walters. And that's, I mean, I think that it can't be any more clear than that. The, the fact that Tulsa Public Schools uh, disconnected itself uh, and distanced itself, ended, ended its contract with this organization, which even that... If you look at studies made by conservative institutions over the last many years, include and, and even the United States Senate looking at this, they found you know no real uh, d- danger or anything like that for the participation of you know students in higher ed or in, in public schools with this program. But even so, you know Tulsa Public Schools ended this contract. I'm not sure exactly why, but they did. And you still have Ryan Walters sitting on Capitol Hill telling members of Congress that, that the Chinese Communist Party is taking over Oklahoma public schools, which is just ridiculous to most everyone uh, in, uh, well, just anywhere. Uh, but if you, if you narrow it down to his electoral demographic, those folks think that this is real and they, they, whenever he says this, it only fuels that fire. There was a a gentleman who is outside of the state uh, board of education meeting earlier this week and they interviewed him. You know, why did he like Ryan Walters? Well, you know, he's, uh, he's helping uh, make sure that public, he, this guy was concerned that public school teachers are having sex with young students and uh you know we've got to pull kids out of public schools to protect them from these sexual predator teachers and, and that's just you know nuts to think that there's this epidemic of this you know running around out there and to the extent that there is ryan walters has been silent on it he, he's been too busy talking about the chinese communist party when we have seen actual teachers and actual employees of public schools and private schools uh that have been charged with very serious crimes to be held to account He's been silent on these things. And so I think that again, Ryan Walters is is disconnected from this. He, he just says these things over and over again. If you if you were a video game uh, console, you know, it start to glitch, you pull the cartridge out, you blow on it, you bang on the console a little bit and you put it back in and you hope that it's not talking about the Chinese Communist Party anymore. But it probably is if the game is Ryan Walters. Neva.
2: <laughs> well, you know, Representative Mark McBride, who's taken Ryan Walters on more than once, yeah. he made a comment uh, uh, a few days ago that I read that said, basically the comment was that this guy cares more about getting on Fox News than doing this job. And so I think the criticism Criticism is going to continue to mount if in fact he will not dig in and start uh, start demonstrating that they really are doing what is necessary what's required and uh, what has always uh, taken place at the State Department of Education and he can change how that's done he's the guy in charge but I think the fact that there's so little information uh, forthcoming on what really is taking place uh, and it's more these overarching attacks on these Chinese programs And other things, like you say, Ryan. Um, I thought it was fascinating. I read an article uh, off of a blog this morning, someone sent me that uh, the 74 million.org. And it's a fascinating piece about the mystery of Ryan Walters. And it goes into how this beloved teacher from McAllister, Oklahoma, has now become this warrior in chief, you know, in the culture wars. Mm -hmm. And I think think what we're seeing is as he's elevated his profile and tried to build this national profile profile of sorts what we're finding is more and more people are starting to dig in and want to know and understand better who is Ryan Walters mm-hmm. so uh, i think we'll i think we'll have a lot more conversation about this as we move forward Oklahoma county commissioners have
0: decided on a location for a new jail the new facility is looking at going up on 192 acres just north of will Rogers World Airport neva how long do you think it will take for work to begin
2: well I, uh, first of all they got to get past all the questions I think one of the uh, one of the ways it was described it's kind of like a, a homeowner buying a buying making a decision to buy a house and so you've got to get to the table and get into the details and that's where they are now it is it appears to be bipartisan support it appears that they have uh, that they've made the selection and now uh, as always is the case you start to get into the details and the questions and um, the negotiation whether um, whether this will be leased property and what what that means in terms of uh, um, the conversation between Oklahoma City and and Oklahoma County all of the issues related to FAA and their, their issues, given the proximity to the airport. Mm-hmm. Um, there'll be a number of other issues, but they also have a clock ticking. If they're going to use the 40 million in ARPA money that's been set aside to help build this, uh, then they have some deadlines, A, to get it uh, on on the, on the table the drawings done ready to roll and then a deadline for it to actually have been built to be able to use that money and they need that to uh, to supplement what they have from the from the bonding side so um, I think everyone feels the feels the pressure of the timeline, and I think there will be a very aggressive effort, It 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 would seem, looking at the conversations that have been out there so far publicly, that they plan on moving forward in earnest, and we'll just have to see if this is actually going to be the final location and the final deal that's done.
1: Right. I mean, if you escaped, you got the airport right there. Hey, I yeah. mean, it's uh, it's pretty convenient. You just you know, get the heck out of Dodge uh, or Oklahoma City, as it is. Yeah, I, I think that and that's or pick up your package or, or, at Amazon or pick up your package at Amazon. Yeah, it's uh, you know, when you fly into Oklahoma City, it's like oh well, this is beautiful. There's Amazon. There's the jail. You know, I I know that county commissioners have had and the the site selection committee here have had a very difficult job. I mean, finding a site for a new jail is is probably one of the hardest. Uh, uh, projects that that can be undertaken. I mean, this this capital project, you know, cannot be overstated how difficult it is. Nobody wants a jail in their backyard. Right. Uh, we have you know real issues with the current site. You know, so the the ability to to both have something open uh, and build something new, so that that presents a lot of difficulties. The idea of building onto our existing site just doesn't seem to be an option. And then you have the uh, you know what is supposed to be. A, a whole suite of uh, mental health service providers, substance use uh, disorder service providers, uh, you know, job uh, providers, uh, job location providers, you know, everybody there all in one. But then you look at how far that is away, and we're, we're really, we're really lucky in Oklahoma City that our airport is as close as it is. I, I love being able to leave my house, uh, you know, real, you know, 20 minutes and I'm I'm at the airport and I'm parked and I'm you know headed to the gate. You know that's that's really nice. But if you're a public defender and you're representing uh, indigent clients that are in the county jail, right now you walk from the courthouse over to the county jail and you go see your clients. Uh, if you're a criminal defense lawyer and you're at the jail or you're at the courthouse and you got to get over there, if you were transporting, I mean I think. We'll move to a lot more video uh, teleconferences between the, the courthouse and, and the jail, if this is the case. But at some point, individuals have to be at the courthouse. And it's important to remember that over 90% of the individuals that are detained in that county jail are not inmates. They're detainees. They're pretrial detainees. They have not been adjudicated guilty of anything. They're as presumed innocent as every one of us uh, that, that has not yet been convicted of a crime. And so you know, these are, these are folks that are presumed innocent, held at a very difficult spot to get back and forth to the courthouse to, to have their due process and have their hearings and, 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 and be adjudicated by a jury of their peers if, if it gets to that point. Uh, so I think that that's difficult. Um, and then if you have all of these service providers out there, if you make it hard to get out there uh, then how, and you make those services remote, are people really going to be able to access them once they're outside of the jail? You know, how, how hard is it to get out there? We don't have the best public transportation system uh, in Oklahoma City. And, uh, you know, as far as I know, the streetcar doesn't go out. Maybe that's, you know, something we can do. That would make the streetcar useful is if we can actually put the streetcar to go out uh, to the new jail site so that attorneys and uh, and service providers and, and mental health clients whatever could get out to the actual site. There's a lot that has to happen between now and then. We need a new jail desperately. I I represent families uh, in in jails uh, around the state, but including here in Oklahoma County that have lost loved ones uh, in that facility. So we need to have something happen fast. We can't lose the money, uh, as Neva said. But, you know whether this happens or not it, there's a there's a lot of questions and a lot of issues and problems that we need to overcome
2: and i think what we're going to see is it it will happen because the the pressure and the need i mean a 30 year old facility the jail we have to have something new uh we mm-hmm. have to make this change and as many a, many of the comments that were made by commissioners in this conversation they're also looking toward the future. I mean, 30 years ago, uh, the jail and the courthouse and and all of the surrounding area in downtown Oklahoma City very different from what we see yeah. today. And so they're looking not only at how to build not a tower, but build a facility that uh, can be laid out where there's enough room not only to get the job done now, but for future growth and expansion as needed uh, decades decades from now. So, I think uh, and the other thing that I thought was interesting in the conversation conversation was the fact that you're talking about a property that is not going to take uh, it's not going to take money out uh, off of the property rolls we're talking Mm -hmm. about money that already government entities own and so there's a plus to that and I think the other thing uh, in looking at this conversation and how they've kind of weighed it back and forth is that that they have to have something that gives them the flexibility to be able to uh, pivot if they need to in some of these conversations on some of these sticking points. And it appears, based on what this uh, advisory committee has done and the hard work uh, led by Steve Mason uh, in this process, um, that they've done a yeoman's job of, of really getting into the details and really making a decision that was best for all of the citizens and taking all of these issues into account that have come up over and over and over again during the conversation.
0: Ryan and Eva's comments do not necessarily reflect the views of KOSU, its staff, or management. Programs like this are made possible through support from KOSU members who are listeners like you. Consider a gift to KOSU in support of This Week in Oklahoma Politics at donate.kosu.org. Hey there, this is Jenny May Harms with KOSU where we want to talk with you not just at you. One way we connect with listeners just like you is through social media, like Instagram. So follow us at KOSU Radio, where you'll get a behind the scenes look into KOSU reporting, station news, and even ticket giveaways. Just follow KOSU Radio on Instagram, and we'll see you there.